Welcome to Sundial. I'm your host, Carlos Frias. I didn't grow up in a household that read. My father only half-joked he was illiterate. He called himself un analfabeto. He grew up on a farm in Cuba and was done with school by the time he was 10. You could see it in his handwriting. My mom got as far as secretarial school. She studied financial books and learned to run a business with my dad. But neither of them read for fun, so neither did I. Uh, it wasn't until I was in college and realized I wanted to be a writer that I learned I first needed to be a reader. Uh, the book that did it for me, Truman Capote's In Cold Blood. Uh, the way it blurred the line between true crime and fiction, amazing. I finished it and immediately read it again. That's when I learned it's never too late to become a reader. So today I want to take that idea a step further and talk to two of the best readers I know. Miami Herald writer Connie Ogle is a national book reviewer and the former Miami Herald books editor. She read, get this, 123 books last year. Yeah, that was a high five you heard over there. This year, she only read a paltry 110. Uh, and she's sitting here uh, next to Mitchell Kaplan, the founder of Books and Books and co-founder of the Miami Book Fair, one of the largest literary events in the world. So folks, let's talk books for the next hour. Let's do it. Um, so for me, it was in cold blood. Uh, when I read that book, it kind of uh, it shook my brain. Uh, I, it, it, uh, it forced me to th think about the different ways that, that you could really express a story, right? And I'm curious, like, what are the books that made you guys readers? What are the ones that really turned different parts of your brains on? How about you, Connie? Well, I was always a reader, and I always tell this story, and people say it's nonsense, but my mother will agree with me. Uh, she claims that on Saturday mornings when she and my dad wanted to sleep in, at six months, when I was six months old, mm -hmm. they would leave a stack of books in my crib, and I would just sit in there and turn the pages. Now, I'm pretty sure I wasn't reading anything, but... But your parents needed alone time. My parents, that's how I got a little brother and sister, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember a time that I didn't read the first book I fell in love with when I was probably nine or ten was A Wrinkle in Time. Ah, uh, Wrinkle which is, in Time. Which is kind of a, you know, the Newbery Award winner, a classic. And um, when it was referenced in Ted Lasso, I could not have been happier. Hmm. What you about know, you, Mitchell? Was you know, it, what, what was interesting it for, you? for me is that um, I always remember picture books. Be, you know, I would fall into picture books, and, and picture books for me, as a as a young kid, um, um, the Red Balloon, the Curious George books, and then it became the Dr. Seuss books. Right. I just I would I would like live in them. I just really found my imagination sparked by those books. But then I went through a period where I don't know if I read a lot after that until my parents, I went to elementary school at, at Central Beach Elementary School on Washington Avenue. That's right, you're a beach kid. I'm a beach kid. Yeah. And the librarian there had a very cool gig going. What she did, instead of the safety patrol, she had library patrol. Oh, nice. And what was that like? <laughs> you could be in the library patrol, right? And I had a strong enough ego that when my parents... Had. Or had, exactly. <laughs> because I'm Jewish. <laughs> but, but when my parents asked me if I wanted to be in the library patrol when I was in fourth grade, I said, okay. And I don't know if they did it because I was a reader or because I wasn't a, much of a reader. Mm. But once I got into that working in the library in fourth grade, 
the whole world opened up to me. And I found myself reading um, a lot of like just random stuff like the biography of Frank Giffords and, you know, the uh, Jerry Kramer's, uh, you know, uh, book about the Green Bay Packers. I read a lot of sports books. A lot books of sports books, which, which I was buying books and books the other day and you recommended Larry Zonka's exactly. uh, uh, autobiography. Right. But then I read a book that changed like Connie. It changed my whole way of understanding what a book could do. And it was Flowers for Algernon. If you remember that book, yes, we made a lot of fun of our friend uh, Amy Reyes, whose book club picked that uh, as a book club pick. Yeah, well, I read it, I think, in like fifth grade or something. Oh, right. And yeah, this was a grown uh, group of grown women, yeah. so we made fun of her. Well, you know, it became the movie that Cliff Robertson was in, and all of that. And it was the first time I was like moved. I cried. It was like I couldn't stop thinking about it, and that opened up an entire world when I got into junior high school of just wanting to read more and more and more. And my reading my reading taste sort of changed as a kid of the 60s and 70s. I found myself reading a lot of political nonfiction stuff and then reading, oh, I don't know, Kurt Vonnegut, you know, all of that, the typical stuff that sure. most of us read. Yeah, it's, uh, for me, I, I remember uh, In Cold Blood, uh, but also the first book that I read that really moved me, like I had to put the book down, was... Um, the Road by Cormac McCarthy. Yeah. Like there's just a scene towards That's the end of the book, book where, you know, it's it's a father and son scene. And I recognize that it was because, you know, because I have children and it and it just resonated in a way where I just had to put that book down. And it's just like you can be moved to tears, you know, with with uh, with a story, you know, and, and I think that's that's one of those things that. And like you said, your chase, your taste changed throughout time. Your the things that it you react does. to change throughout time. Sure. But, you know, it's interesting. I just recently had an experience it's about a year ago. And Connie, you know this book, I think, Bewilderment. Did you uh, Richard read it? Powers. Oh, yeah. Richard, Richard Powers, who wrote Overstory. Right. Uh-huh. And right. he even says that he based it a little bit on Flowers for Algernon. I didn't read that or know that until afterwards. Oh, that's so. And interesting. I read it, and I had the same kind of visceral reaction. It's very different, but I had the same kind of like it slayed me by the end completely. Right. What about you, Connie? Has there been a book that you like that just stands out in your mind, whether it's recent or old, that you just remember moved you in a way that you kind of you didn't see that coming, you know? Well, I'll just go with something I finished last week, and that was Demon Copperhead by oh. Barbara Kingsolver. Yeah, I've seen you post about which that. Which is uh, kind of a retelling of David Copperfield, except set in the 90s in Appalachia, in rural America. And, uh, you know, I've never read David Copperfield. Um, but I have read Charles Dickens, and so, you know, I knew terrible things were going to happen, and that was fine. I'm reading it. When I finished that book, I just sat on my couch and wept for like oh, 10 God. minutes, and it was, I was very moved, and it's not, you know, it doesn't, not that it has some tragic ending. It was just, I felt like I'd gotten to the end of a long journey, and I was so happy to be there, and I was so glad and grateful for the experience. Um, I actually think I cry more at books than I do at real life, which is strange no that i that tracks knowing you that tracks. you know i'm glad to hear you say that because i saw that book uh on a lot of top 10 lists and it it came out towards the end like like last month november november and um and i thought the same thing i was like you know i've never read david copperfield am i going to be able to to approach it but it sounds like like go for it 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 doesn't matter it doesn't matter i mean i think you probably get more out of it if you've read david copperfield you see how she you know uh change the story to make it applicable to modern times. Right. Um, but I can't, I, it's one of my favorite books of and 2022. From, from a commercial perspective, 
It was one of our biggest selling books over the holidays. Oh, really? And it's a number one indie-bound bestseller. The independent booksellers around the country have a best their own bestseller list, and this is number one on it. Wow. Which is very interesting. Okay. I mean, like, I've, I'm putting that on the, yeah. at the top of my list. Like, maybe that's our book club selection. Hey, book club guys, if you're out there and hearing this, that's It's my next. long. I should warn you. That's okay. I mean, we read The Luminaries. Oh. Wow. Which was like 800 pages. and That I, is a commitment. Yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of, <laughs> Did maybe Did you do crazy. Infinite Jest, too? No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> over, the next, nice. over the next three years, we'll read Infinite Jest, uh, the 2,000-word the book heard, by- I once heard the funniest Foster thing Wallace. on, I think, believe it or not, it was on Johnny Carson. I don't know how it got into a discussion about books, but somebody was going, someone said, like, what are you reading? Johnny Carson said that to a guest, and the guest said, well, I spent two weeks last night reading Proust. <laughs> did he say, did he say, that's weird, wild stuff there. Very that's good. Weird, wild Probably stuff. Probably did. Hey, so you mentioned um, it was the number one top-selling book during the holidays. Um, uh, what, what were some of those other books that you saw that, that were really... Hot off the shelves. Well, there was Tomorrow, Tomorrow, and Tomorrow. And another good one. Yeah, really which you good book. loved. I loved that as well. That was a big, big seller in terms of fiction. Uh, nonfiction was a little bit more all over the place. Um, we sold a lot of, believe it or not, G-Man, which was a book that uh, about, uh, what's his name at the FBI, who founded the FBI? Hoover. Uh, Hoover. It was about Hoover. Really interesting book about Hoover. Um we did sell a fair amount of probably the second biggest selling book we had, which is a book that I love. was called Trust. Oh, oh God. Trust, which yeah. Which was a lot an amazing book. One of the best of 2022. It, it won, I believe it won the Kirkus Prize. It won the Kirkus, but it got, it got, it got, it got, uh, it got uh, snuffed for the, um, snubbed for the uh, National, National Book, book Award. Award. Yeah, it's, I, it's fantastic. I, I think it, it's going to be a Pulitzer. It's Hernan Diaz's book. Called I would not. I would not bet against it. What? It what tell me. Tell me. Tell me a little bit about it. Like, why is it a great book? And like, what? It's, what is it? Give me the overall, the arch. It's and a, really the question. What is that book about? Is usually a terrible question about a not, about a fiction <laughs> well, book. This is but, a. It's a tough one to. to it's a tough yeah, one to explain yeah. because it's really about. It's it's it just rips the curtain off of American capitalism, and it's the story of sort of this robber baron type guy. Not a robber baron, but. Well, well, I guess yeah. kind of a Robert Barron well, guy, like an Andrew Carnegie type right. guy, except okay. not, Elon Musk. With very could much be, like a nineteen twenties Elon Musk. But this is before social media, yeah. so oh, okay. these guys would build. He was like, um, he had something to do. It was. It takes place in the twenties. Rask was his name. He had something to do. It, there's and there's four parts of the book, right. and That's each sto each story thing. is about him from told a different from a different perspective. perspective. Oh, interesting. And so it has to do with truth and mythology. And what we really, you know, when you think of America, we all know during the pandemic, we were all reading books, the like 1619 Project, everything mm -hmm. else, where, where, where it's taking on the myths of America, which is what this does. And so it's about where you get your information from, who controls the myths, and, and it's brilliantly done. And what's interesting, and you probably know this, what's really interesting is that he's a Borgesian. Or he's a Borges guy. Oh, he, I see. He, 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 a he devotee edits, of Borges. Well, he had edits a Borges journal. And so there's a little bit of that, you know, of, it's not magical realism really, but it's it's kind of like, what's, where are we? What's the truth of all of this? Right, right. That, you know, it's funny because I'm, I'm very much a, a, 
a fiction guy because so much of my life is nonfiction, right? Writing for newspapers and being on the radio, um, that I enjoy fiction. But I recently uh, picked up a book that was recommended someone from your office. Uh, it's called Read Until You Understand. Uh, it's the profound wisdom of black life and literature. And it just like, it just, I think that's one of the ones that's been selling pretty well. It, it bounced off very well. Like it really, uh, it really caught my attention. So I'm eager to get into that. Um, I, I'm curious about what you guys uh, are reading now. Is there, is there a, a book that like, that is, that is moved off your TBR <laughs> list and is currently in your hands? Uh, I'm reading The Angel of Rome, which is a book of short stories by Jess Walter. And he, He's yes, a, I like him. I like him. He really, was at the book fair. This he was at the book fair. In fact, that's where I bought the book. And the stories, it's a book of short stories, and they're really good. He writes from a lot of different different perspectives, which is, I think, tough. And he, the books are very unexpected and very surprising. And I, I love being surprised. I love that feeling of you get to the end and you're like, I didn't see that coming. You know, that's... That's such a good feeling for me. Yeah, I read his his last book. I love Beautiful Ruins. Beautiful Ruins is wonderful, amazing. Even though Jake Klein was like the only dissenter in our in our book group about that because he's he doesn't like stories that end that in the he he likes chaos. But he wrote a he wrote a, a second one that I'm trying to remember the title. It was the uh, the Cold the one, Millions. Yeah, the the Union Organizer one. That was really interesting too, in a totally different perspective. You know what? I read that right around the, t- the time that I read. Um, uh, what is it? Uh, everything in the hills is in gold, or how is it? Uh, oh yeah, um, everything in these hills is gold. I'm gonna. That's that's not quite right. But yeah, Pam right. Zhang. Yeah, yeah. Pam Zhang, and it was and it was like it was both like it was kind of Jess Walter, like the white guy's union organizer perspective, and then you have like the immigrant, right? Uh, Chinese immigrant perspective on it. I thought uh, that was really interesting. Um, so kind of you read uh, a paltry hundred and ten books <laughs> this year. So like. How many of them were actually good? You know, I think a lot of them were good because I've reached the point in my life where I don't stick with something if I don't like it. And oh, okay. There have been books, uh, well, unless I'm getting paid for it, then I'll stick with it. That's true. But um, there, it's you know, time is short and there's too many books. And I there's so many on my backlist I've missed. You know, there's always books from the past five years. I st- you know, Jonathan Franzen's last book is still sitting on my shelf. I haven't even cracked it. Oh, Crossroads. I got yeah, to that one. We I, read that one. Yeah. So, I, you know, that happens all the time. So I don't, I'd say most of the books I finished were, were good because I just don't stay with them. See, this is such good advice. Like if you get a book that you just don't vibe with, right, that you just doesn't Walk speak away. to you. Walk away. Punch I, out. And even if it's somebody you loved, I, I um, there's a writer I absolutely love called Anthony Mara and he has a new book out called uh, Mercury Pictures Presents. And I started it and I struggled to get into it because I was just at a point where I was struggling. I will go back to that because he's earned my, you know, he's earned it. I will go back and read that again. And That's um, like a loyalty thing. Like, you know. Yeah, I, but I, I wouldn't do that for and, everybody. Right, right. I wouldn't do that for everybody. Yeah, yeah and I'm in this very, and, and Connie, when she was the book critic, I'm sure was in the situation I am, was in, or am now, where you would get in thousands of galleys, Right. Well, I get in thousands of galleys, and for those of you out there who don't know what a galley is, when 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 booksellers and reviewers get books prior to their publication, they get kind of a finished arc, it's called, an advanced reader's copy, typically in paperback, has some blurbs, and it's not completely finalized in terms of the editing, but they send a lot of them out. So I have stacks and stacks of them, and they all mock me when I look at them because Half of them are books I know I'm going to want to read. And then I walk into my bookshop 
and again. It's like you have another I'm surrounded books. by thousands of books. <laughs> so it's like the most random plucking that I do. And so I often stick, as Connie says, with people that I've liked in the past. Like I just, I read not too long ago, Ian McEwan's Lessons, right. which was phenomenal, I thought. Really, really phenomenal in so many ways. It was a leisurely read. Right. I then read Russell Banks's Magic Kingdom in the very same way, which anybody dealing who likes Florida history ought to read because it has to do with a very, very strange little part of Florida history when the Shakers, uh, there was a Shaker community just north of Lake Okeechobee, kind of not far from where the Magic Kingdom is now. So I am... Shakers Shakers being uh, like the, the Shaker, Quaker... Like the, Quaker. Like, like the Quakers, the Shakers. Okay. And they died off because they never procreated. You know, they oh, that's a never, problem. It is a problem. That's a problem. But there was a scandal, uh, a procreation scandal that Russell writes about. In, there's always in the, a procreation <laughs> scandal, isn't there? You, know, there's listen, always a you could do a whole program on that, the procreation yeah, scandal. Yeah, but that one has to be on the <laughs> NC-17 version. You know, I want to I talk more about this, um, and especially because you brought a little bag of treats. So, But we're going to take a little break. We've been talking with Connie Ogle. A national book reviewer and writer for the Miami Herald, and Mitchell Kaplan, the founder and owner of Books and Books. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This is Sundial on WLRN. I'm Carlos Frias, and we're back talking books with Connie Ogle, national book reviewer and writer for the Miami Herald, and Mitchell Kaplan, the owner and founder of Books and Books. Now, you brought a little bag of goodies. Like, you showed up like Book <laughs> Santa Claus, like the literary Santa Claus. Right. And, and I want you to, you're going to heave it up here, and it's and it's in a tote bag, folks. I'm looking at this tote bag, and <laughs> it's, it's just like... It's a Miami Book Fair tote bag. Oh, it's a Miami Book Fair, and it's got a, it's got a rooster painted on the, uh, on the kind of oatmeal cover. I am, this front. was a very... Very random selection of books that I just grabbed from my house oh, nice. that have all been sent to me. Your TBR pile is just like a TBR room, yes, I think. Right. I don't even know if you call it TBR. It may be, I have to be called TB looked at. <laughs> to, they, uh, to, be, to be left in a pile long after I'm dead. Right. Because <laughs> I never but got there to are, Well, there's one thing I'm bringing first, which I just love it. It's a book that's out. It's actually a book out. It's when I saw the When I saw this, I had it at home. And it's called On Browsing. On Browsing. By okay. Jason Guriel. And, and the art of browsing is something that we don't all know what to do with anymore. Because when, when I tell it to a young people, a young person, I say, you should really be browsing. They go, I do every day on, on Google, my Google browser, my, uh, my right. Safari browser. I'm not browsing, they I'm scrolling, right? They don't That's a different. quite understand it. So I just yeah. thought I would read, this is kind of for me... There's something to be said for the blockbuster video store of my youth. It was what we had in the suburbs, and it suited the way my mind worked. I liked encountering movies as physical objects dispersed throughout a large room, arranged down walls where the new releases went, and along shelves where the older stuff tarried. I suspect the image of walking through such a room will one day amuse my children. <laughs> so the, it says the whole idea is gaining an appreciation for just going into a store and shopping and browsing. That, the name of that book again is? It's just called On Browsing. On Browsing. A very, it's, it's, a, it's a bathroom read, basically. Perfect. And yeah, I got, a, really great, great. I got a, a great bath, bathroom read. It's, uh, it's called uh, All My Friends Are Dead. 
<laughs> and it's a great, just a little book, and it's it's written by a it's written by a, a comedian and, a, and an illustrator, and it's and it's fantastic. Well, when you talk about books that 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 got me started in reading, I have to say, when I would go use my parents' bathroom, mm-hmm. they always had a book of those little things of like jokes on the toilet. Yeah, remember those? Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> loved them. Connie, you have a book in your in your restroom. <laughs> I on. don't. Oh, no. What? I do not. Come on, are you? If your legs aren't falling asleep on the toilet, like, are you even doing it right? I'm sorry, come on. Sorry, sorry to disappoint it's you. It's a guy oh, thing. Okay. It I is guess a guy it thing. It must be a guy thing. So anyway, so here's the first one I chose. Okay. Tom Hanks has a new book coming out. Okay. It's a novel called "The Making of Another Major Motion Picture Masterpiece," and I read his short stories and really loved them. Did you read? I those? did not read them. But, you know, Tom Hanks is a typewriter collector, and oh, his, like you are. Like I am, you but nerd. not nearly as much as Tom Hanks. Does. I say nerd, but I have a I have an old typewriter that my former father in law gave me at home, and it's <laughs> it's beautiful. It's an old police from an old police station, I think. It's and his impressive. first collection was called Uncommon Type, and it was a collection of short stories about what he does, but it had a typewriter in every story somehow. Is really is Tom good. Hanks our David Ad- Attenborough? Like, don't, don't you feel like he's got like that? Almost like that fatherly, like that avuncular presence, you know. Like I love him. I could listen oh, to him talk. Oh no, about I him. love him too. I hadn't thought of that, David yeah. Attenborough. No, me neither. Maybe. Actually, yeah, I'd Maybe. like to hear him narrate some, some, uh, some wild. Another shows. new one coming out is Salman Rushdie has a new one. Oh, can uh, I, which, can which, I, can I tell you about Salman Rushdie? So I was like, you know, he was in the news because obviously he was he was stabbed and he's still recovering. We haven't heard a lot from him. And I said, I'm going to go read Satanic Verses. I'm going to go read the book that got him put on the fatwa. And I got about a third of the way through it, and I was like, what is happening in this book? And I gave myself, I, I thought of the, the Connie Ogle school of thought, and I said, I'm going to punch out from this book, but I'm going to, because it's Salman Rushdie, I'm going to keep it, and I'm going to come back to it. So it's still on my on my shelf. I have not put it in my little free library, uh, so I'm going to come back to it. Before I forget, oh my God, Mitchell, if you guys are hearing a rustling, is Mitchell's pulling book after book out of this, and it's like, we might have to do a two-part episode. Uh, so while you're pulling your books out, Connie, local authors, we had Jonathan Escoffrey on the show, and I'm like, I was bowled over by the fact that I, number one, said his name right this time, uh, but two, by by the vision that he brought of Miami, like a different voice, a different perspective and prism of Miami. T- tell me about that, because you wrote about him. Yeah, I wrote about him uh, for the Herald, actually, um, that If I Survive You is definitely one of the best books if i did a top 10 list that would be that might be number one uh, oh, it's wow. it's it's a novel although it's kind of told in stories which is not normally a format i love but the way he does it is so good and he reflects places in miami and pe- the people in miami that you just don't see in fiction um he comes from a jamaican american family uh and he was a kid during hurricane andrew so he which he remembers very clearly uh and his perspective on Miami is just one I hadn't read before. And I think, God, anybody in Miami and we had, should read this book. Connie was there the night we had the his 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 Miami appearance at the bookstore. Yeah, was, I was in the audience with little, there with little heart emojis in my yeah, eyes. I was like, this guy's, this guy's amazing. No, uh, he's, he's amazing. He's camera ready. He speaks yeah. well. You know, he like as far as like, you know, not not everybody is is as great on the radio as the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> but he's fantastic. Um, and you know what? It's funny. I had a, a similar experience of kind of like a Miami voice that I hadn't heard when I read uh, Make Your Home Among Strangers, which is a little bit of an old, older book. It's, yeah, it's 2015. Book. Yeah. And it's the perspective of this uh, of, a, of a young woman 
raised in Hialeah, who is the first in her family not just to go to college, but she leaves for college right around the time uh, a, a, a an avatar of Elian Gonzalez lands in Miami. Right. It's written by uh, Janine uh, uh, Capo, Capo, yeah. Capo Crusade. Capo yeah. Crusade. Yeah. She also wrote a book of short stories called How to Leave Hialeah. Which, I saw which that. Which is a great which title. Great. It is a great title. And you know what's real? Talk about local authors. Coming up, I'm giving you all of these galleys, but there are books of galleys that I haven't gotten yet. Um, um, Patricia Engel has a new book coming out, a yes. new novel. Yes, so we have a, our, our producer. Has uh, has our a, producer Elisa Baena has been talking to me about that that Patricia Engel book. Yeah, and, and I have it at my desk, so and, we may try and, to have her. And on Anna soon. Menendez has a new book called the The Apartment, which yeah. is a wonderful idea. She was a former Miami Herald uh, columnist yeah. and and is a novelist. Yes. Anna Vesiana Suarez has a Anna new Vesiana novel has coming a new out. Book coming out. Right, and then we have a whole host of. Um, and well, Diana Abu Jaber. Well, she had one just the out. Fencing with the King, that which one just was came great. Out. Uh, Dave Barry has a new one coming out. Yes, in I was 2023. Just doing, it's, a, it's a, it's one of those crazy black humor, uh, Dave Barry books. It's that's a Dave Barry really book. great. I read it, and it's amazing. There's a shark or an iguana involved, and it's, it's called, I think, Swamp Stories. Swamp Stories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jim, but, see, I guessed right yeah. off the top of my Jim head. Jim Grappando has a new one out. He'll okay. be doing an event at the store within the next week or so. Uh, and just, we should say that, that that books and books is not just it's not just the book. So we don't have you on here so you can sell your books, which we would like you to sell your <laughs> books. But it's like a great meeting place, and like you always have these great not just lo- yes local authors because I appreciate that being a local author, but you have great national authors come through here. Like this is where they stake their flag in the southeast, which I think is so different. Which is the kind of thing you get at an independent local bookstore that you don't get at like a Barnes and Nobles. You yeah. Know? No, it's funny. I've been thinking, you know, being that it's our 40th year, you know, one of our very first autographings was was with Isaac Singer, you know, and over the years... Who's Isaac Singer? Tell us about him. I don't... Isaac, okay. Isaac Singer was... That's part of what I'm hoping to do is get people like you to know who he is. Perfect. Isaac Singer won the Nobel Prize for Lit, and he wrote in Yiddish, and in the... he, He was 1982... He won, it's when we opened, he won the Nobel Prize. Wow. For his, and he wrote the collected stories published by Roger Strauss. He was well, a Surfside resident, I'm told. He here, was uh, a producers. Surfside resident as well as, uh, as well as in New York. He was very sexy. He wrote Yentl that became a movie that Barbara Streisand was in. Okay. He's just this, and that's, that is what I, just what you pointed out is what I think a bookstore can do best is introduce people to books that they don't know about because they're younger, they haven't, they've fallen out of favor. And when I think of those early writers that we had and how many of them are no longer being read, and that includes John Updike, you know, it includes, you know, we had Toni Morrison very early. She went through a period where nobody really knew who she was, and now she's being rediscovered again. Right. In a big, big, big way. Yeah. James Baldwin, you know, all of those kinds of things. So a bookstore is the place where that happens, and it's so important that that happens. I love that, it, Connie. How do you go about picking your like your next book? Like what you have, you have I mean, with 120 books, you could kind of just grab the next one. But <laughs> but like you review so many books, uh, or, or so many of the top reads, things that later become you know the the books to read that year. How do you decide what you're going to read next? I mean, it's just it's not an exact science, you know. I it's browsing. I it's, it's I do browse. I'm uh-huh. a big browser, and I browse online too. I'm not going to lie, but. Um, Oh no no! Like Booksandbooks dot com. Yeah, <laughs> I I I browse. I you know it just uh, 
this the one thing I've done this year is really sort of abandoned nonfiction. I, I read m- memoir. I like to I listen to audiobooks as well, and I like to uh, listen to memoir. But I I really haven't read a lot of nonfiction, which is unfortunate. Um, and maybe I should get on that next year. But uh, you know, I don't know. It's just a whim. You know, if, if I see someone I trust loves a book, if you read a book or Mitchell reads a book and says you say to me, you got to read this. It's so good. Mitchell, you got me to read Bewilderment, which I loved, which you mentioned earlier. Um, I, I listened to, I, I'm not, I stopped reading the New York Times book reviews because they give too much away. So I don't oh, get. Oh, I, yeah, I hate that. They give a little too much away, but yeah. I will see things online and take recommendations from people in the group, for instance. Now, Facebook before group. I forget, I know you're a big, you're a big audio person, a big audio book reader. You both are. Okay. True. So like, here's a controversial question. Does audio, does, does listening to the book on audio, does that count as reading it? Absolutely. Okay. It's well, a, I agree. It actually adds a level. Um, if you have a good reader, uh, I'm actually listening to something Mitchell recommended to me, a book called Solito. Oh, God. By, oh, I had that in my hand at the bookstore. he reads it. He reads it himself. And this is a this is a guy who crossed from El Salvador into the U.S. as a nine-year-old with a group. His parents weren't. His parents were already in the U.S. And it's nonfiction, we should And say. it's nonfiction. Completely and it's, nonfiction. He's a 32-year-old poet now. Javier Zamora. Ha- Javier Zamora. And, he, and hearing him read it, he reads it very kind of carefully and hesitantly, and you can you can almost hear the little boy he was Oof. going through all these what must have been absolutely terrifying to him, um, and put in the hands of strangers, and his fate was in the hands of people he'd never met before. That would be in one of my ten best of the year. As oh well. wow! Again, it's that book that it's an empathy machine. A yeah. good book is an empathy machine. Yeah. And given what we have with immigration right now, we need those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we need. We need books that that explain other people's experiences that we're so far removed from. Right, and it's funny we were just talking about immigration yesterday during a food show, actually, because we're discussing the issue of so many kitchens needing staff, and it's because there's a hundred thousand immigrants in the "quote unquote" stay in Mexico order on the border. And guess yeah. who worked a lot of those kitchens? Of course. You know? And it's like we we need to under, I think we need to do a better job of understanding folks and and books are great avenue as food is yeah well i think connie alluded to it before that she reads fiction in order to discover other people's lives that's what i do i mean i read to be able to know how somebody else lives and it becomes cathartic the best fiction is cathartic and and it's and it can be there's truth in it spoken in a way written in a way that sometimes is more impactful than even reading a nonfiction. And sometimes when you're listening to it, if the reader is good, and in this case, uh, you know, this guy wrote his own memoir, he wrote his own story, um, hearing him tell it, it adds like an extra layer of appreciation. So that's one of the reasons. Now, I listen to a lot of crime fiction, too. I love to listen to crime fiction. That's my comfort food. But That's your popcorn. That's my popcorn. But uh, a book like Solito... I don't know. I think it might be better on audio than just yeah. reading it. I really do. The, the the other audio thing that I've been falling into, which I'm kind of liking, is I've always wanted to reread or catch up on classics that I've missed. So so I'm now listening. I don't know why I'm doing it. I'm going to slip my wrists after I do it. But I'm rereading. I'm listening to The Stranger, Camus' The Stranger. Oh, my God. Which I hadn't read except in high school. I have a Balzac that I've been meaning to get to. is for my buddy Oscar lent me, and I've... Well, I've they're good. That's a kind of a good thing. If you have a good reader, 
And, and you know, the other thing I do, Connie probably doesn't do because she takes longer walks than I do. <laughs> but I try to keep my the books that I listen to very short. <laughs> so okay. That, so you know, Claire Keegan is perfect for that. Stuff. Oh God, Claire Keegan! Wow. Yeah, another really great writer, by the way. Well, I, we still have a lot to talk about books, but we're going to take a little break. Uh, we're here with Connie Ogle, who is a national book reviewer and a writer for the Miami Herald, and Mitchell Kaplan, who is the founder and owner of Books and Books and the Miami Book Fair. So hang out with us, and we'll be back in a second. Welcome back to Sundial on WLRN. Uh, this is Carlos Frias, your host, and we're back with Connie Ogle, a national book reviewer and a writer for the Miami Herald and a book nerd uh, that I love, along next uh, next side to uh, Mitchell Kaplan, who is the founder of Books and Books. And we're talking all things books today. Um, and Mitchell brought in this amazing bag of books of things that he's excited about. There are two books here that look like uh, copies of the Bible. I, I think they <laughs> might be written on onion skin uh, paper. Well, uh, one of them is Abraham Verghese's book. He wrote Cutting for Stone. Okay. And uh, it, Cutting for Stone is probably the best audio book I've ever listened to. It's, it's, it's a great book in and of itself. If you want to read it, you, you would that's fine but um the audiobook is really great and i'm looking at the size of this book uh and it's it's got to be like about 800 broker. pages it's like the power broker <laughs> no the power broker is over a thousand well, pages uh, yeah. <laughs> it's dense. for a book it's that dense. spans 1900 to 1977 it can't quite be yeah, 100 pages can't be a quick read <laughs> it's called again enough. it's called the covenant of it's water it's called the covenant of water and i i've gotten to know abraham because among i guess i got a gig doing, uh, being on the board of the Sun Valley Writers Conference, which is, I turned down a lot of gigs, but I didn't turn that one down when they asked me to be on the board there because I get to go to Sun Valley every summer for a writing conference. And Abraham has been going there all the time. He's kind of a, a friend of the, the, the conference there. Nicest guy in the world and, and really very heartfelt on everything he does because he's, he's at Stanford, but he does a lot with a lot with um, helping to bring, you know, medical care to those who have a hard time getting it as well. It's interesting because we're talking about these books and, and we're having a connection with these writers and the things that they do and and these events. And and it, I'm curious about the role you think that literature plays in building community. Like, I mean, there is, yes, like the like the if you know, you know club, right? Like if you've you read a book and like we've read <clears throat> The Power Broker and Moby Dick, you know, like once you feel that's kind of like a that's kind of like a self pat on the back. But I'm talking about building community, right? Well, that's what I've been. That's that's my reason for for being, you might say. I mean, from the beginning of the time that I, you know, I'm from Miami, I happened to find myself back here knowing that I wanted to do a bookstore so mm -hmm. many years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, not being very sure whether or not there was a community of readers because I hadn't been here and I didn't know. And, you know, Miami didn't have the greatest rep back in the 70s, early 80s. No, no. You know, when we started the book fair, I would ask for a writer to come down and they would go, oh, we have this guy with a new non-prescription drug book. We're happy <laughs> to send them. Or we have this great beach read that we're happy to send them. And I said, no, 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 people are reading real stuff and that sort of thing. But I didn't know that until I opened a bookstore. So I opened a bookstore because I wanted, I wanted the community that I wanted to come to the bookstore. And they have. And what I'm seeing now is how a store, a physical place that sells books, 
can become that third place right. after work, after home, where you go and you meet your neighbors. And we all know Miami is a hard place to meet people. It's very car-oriented and all of that. Sure. And it's it's really, this, this holiday season for me has been, been a reaffirmation of what we do. And the other thing is to see young people come. People in their 30s, the best. their 20s. They're coming, they're hanging out, they're there. We used to have a joke that we booksellers were following our customers to their graves. That once the last customer <laughs> died, we turned the light off and that would be it. But now I'm really hopeful that there's this whole new generation that's coming up and reading. Well, I was just, if I can say, I was just telling uh, you know one of our young producers, I was like, you know, if you want to meet people that read, if you want to meet somebody, you know, uh, to have a relationship with, I was like, a, and you love reading, a bookstore is a great place. You go and you hang out, like hang out in the places where the people that you want to meet, you know, also hang out. And, and you know what they and read. And the bookstore is great. And you can find out what they read. Exactly. <laughs> if they're reading a bunch of uh, stuff on, you know, reality, the reality show uh, autobiographies of the, the housewives, uh, hard pass. <laughs> well, you know, you, you were talking about younger people reading. I mean, look at look at what Book Talk has done for yeah. so many writers. Um and book talk, man, like like the it's like it's, this, a, it's like the Twitter like book Twitter, but for TikTok. But it's TikTok. It's gotcha. TikTok, and and people, and and they're I mean, what are the users of TikTok? They're probably between the ages of eighteen and twenty five, yeah. most of them, and they post their favorite books. They post recommendations. There's a lot of fantasy writers that are very popular on there. A lot of Col- romance too. Colleen Hoover is a hu- is huge on there, and this people are reading. Um, yeah, they're reading. I would also say that Book Talk is great because it also introduces some some writers who are not just genre writers, too, right. where they're able to find a young person's read. But the other thing that's happening is publishers are publishing for young readers right? and young yep. and readers of color and different kinds of readers. They're right. publishing a diversity. For instance, uh, there's a big new book that everyone's going to hear about called Chain Gang All-Stars. And it was written by Nana Kwame Ajay Brenya. And it's a book that he, he wrote another book called Friday Black. And, oh, and right. this is his first novel. Okay. It's getting all... But in the old days, publishers really weren't... They were narrowing who they were publishing for. Mm-hmm. But I think they have found a wellspring of readers across all you know communities. And it's something I'm proud about the book fair because... What we've done for 39 years is create this gigantic tent under which all of Miami and its diversity could come under. And I think that's, you know, that's what, that's our accomplishment, that we've been able to do that. I, I, it's, it's funny, I mean, books, like I said, like we were talking earlier, can really open you up to a whole new different uh, view of American life. Like for me, the book that did that recently was uh, Americana uh, by yeah. Chimamandi uh, uh, Adichie. Yeah. Uh, like that book was fantastic because it's it part of it is like a dating a little bit it's like a little bit sex in the city and it's a little bit memoir and it's not like uh it's not like this is the book that's going to define you know Nigerian Americans in America it's right. like just this this very uh real view you know and fun and and engaging uh, you know it's funny there's a book called His Only Wife I don't know if you read that I haven't read it but I it's know a it's a Ghanaian writer and we actually uh, I have a film production company and we optioned it and we have this marvelous Ghanaian writer doing the screenplay and she says every time she talks to anybody about Ghana and she talks about any of the writing she does they go okay 
when are you going to have the part about UNESCO in it? <laughs> oh my god! You know, right? You know, it's always as if does it know, always have to be broccoli? But, Can't we just no, get no, some but the, broccoli with melted cheese yeah, over but, the top? But right? then she showed me pictures of Ghana, which you know it could have been Coconut Grove, it could have been anywhere else with all kinds of stuff going. I, on. I just I just read a book uh, called I'm going to pronounce this wrong. I want to say it's Mam Mame, and it's by a, a Mame. A, spell spell it for me. M A A M E. It's M-A-M-E. a term. Uh, it's used in this uh, Ghanaian British family, and it's basically a coming of age novel of this young right. woman who is it's by Jessica George. Jessica George, and uh, she's sort of taking on all these things with her family. She's the first generation, you know, not growing up in Ghana, and and she's it's a really good book. It's well, a I really want a great go- coming of age. I actually novel. want to go to Ghana. I mean, I think you know, I you know, I have fantasies of what I want to do, and I think what I want to do is go to all these places I've read about as well as going to all these book festivals that are all over the world that I'd love. There's one in Jaipur. There's one in Sydney. They're all over the place. So yes, community is a very big thing when it comes to books. I, I want to talk about the books that we're looking forward to reading because I'm looking forward to the sequel to Harlem Shuffle. Uh, yeah. Colson Whitehead's like, fun. I mean, it was it's the most non-serious of his books and it was so fun. It was like... Uh, was it like was it Chicago? No, that was Harlem show. It was New York noir almost. Right. Mm-hmm. And he writes in this great voice, and I just I enjoyed that book so much that I his new book is supposed to come out in twenty twenty three. So are there some writers or specific books that you're already thinking about? Well, there's a book you want to read next. There's year? a book that oh no, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just it's a book that I actually gave to Connie. It's a book that when you talk about those books that that make you think a little bit differently about a place. This book takes place in northern. Uh, Colorado okay and I lived in Boulder I went to school there and I knew nothing about that whole area oh that tracks that you went to school at in Boulder just everything that that that's that's a perfect (laughs) it's a long time ago yeah yeah, a long time ago but but so you know uh, Crested Butte she lives in it's a seventh generation Coloradan who wrote her first novel at the age of 50 wow something I love that and it's called Go is a River uh, and I go, have to go, go as, as a river. Go as a river. And I need to be very honest. I liked it so much that we optioned it for film. Wow. It's a. It's kind of along the. It's it's where I, it's where the literary meets the commercial. Right. So it's a little bit like. Um, and we should tell you just briefly. You have a production company. That you started yeah, just a couple done, of years ago, and you've done some. Give us some of the, the films that your company has done. We did a movie called The Man Who Invented Christmas. Right, which is, a, which is a story of... Of Charles Dickens and the writing of A Christmas Carol. Right. And then we did something called um, The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. It has the... Oh, man, you nailed it. You nailed the, the title. You better nail the title, but it, Connie and I are always like I the have potato to stop. peel there's book. Always a, there, and I love that book, and I love the movie, And too. I love the movie, yeah. And uh, But I have to stop and think. There's always a word I leave out of it. Yeah, of course. Right, right. And then there's uh, the most recent one we did was Diane Lane and Kevin Costner called Let Him Go, which is quite good. Oh, right. I've been looking I'm still forward. traumatized yeah. by that movie. It's, it's good. I mean, oh, it's really great. You, it's, think about who you landed for that movie. That yeah, is so yeah, exciting. They were, they were great to be with. I and mean, that's no water world either. So that's. Yeah. Like, and that's, This Go is a River has that, it's like where the crawdads sing kind of thing. Oh, I just so, read that. Yeah, I just read it's that. Got that. It's got that. Uh, Should you, I comment on that? No, no. If you like it or not. <laughs> no, this again. It's where the commercial meets the literary. But this has more literary than commercial, and it's really very evocative. Of um, takes you through a woman's relationship with her dysfunctional family, a Native American that she she meets and falls in love with, 
and then this whole thing happening in northern Colorado. But it's go as a river. Honey, what, what, you, what about you? What are you looking forward to? Um, I'm I'm blanking on the name of it, but uh, Rebecca McKay, Mackay, do you know how to pronounce M-A-K-K-A-I. Uh, so. She has a new book coming out, and I believe it's like a crime novel. <clears throat> right. uh, her, she's famous for a book called The Great Believers, which is about what the AIDS book. epidemic, which is one of the most heartbreaking things you could ever read, but so good. And I'm really curious to see what she does. I'm also looking forward to uh, Tanana Reeve Dew's upcoming book. Oh, yes. The Reformatory which is uh, set in a school like the Dozier School um, in Wait, North Florida. Which uh, Colson Whitehead also wrote, wrote about. about yeah, but Tanana was, re- Tanana was one of my students in high school. All right, we should I step back. So Tanana, was a, she was a student here in Miami. Yes, and she's, she now she's to, like one of the foremost, uh, she became like horror, black, horror, black she's noir. black, obviously, but but like horror noir writers. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, she was writing black horror novels when, you know, <laughs> they were they were hard to find. When a, she was black, the only one doing it, right? A black horror novel. And she she's, wrote something called The between was that was her, her first, first yeah and she also used to work at the miami herald that's how i know her so full disclosure i do know her a bit but and then, uh, full disclosure we bought the rights to that one. Okay. oh my god really <laughs> so we're hoping Leave some on the table for dream well Works. we are we're just Mitchell. happy to be talking about it but but but, but this novel is great you, it, i know it sounds so good and it's you know about a haunted reformatory for boys in north florida I mean. and her uncle was actually in that reformatory and she had been oh, working wow. on it before colson's thing because it meant so much to her that her uncle was at the Dozier's. So I'd say, so go read. So this year, go read Colson Whitehead's Nickel Boys and yes. wait on the Reformatory. The Reformatory that's coming out in the summer. All right, but to do all that, to do all that, because we're running out of time, and I really want to get to this, is um, New Year's resolution reads. People always want to know how to read a little bit more, you know, and how to be more efficient about it. I, for me, I've realized Connie has, was a great example. Like now I get up in the morning a little earlier and I read in the mornings cause I'm in that, in that, um, dream state, you know, where, I, where I'm up and I'm having a cup of coffee and I can just focus on reading without looking at my book. What, what are your, some of your specific good tips to read I, more in the I year? do love to read in the morning because I, you know, people wait till their day is over and then they read and you're tired, you know, yeah. you just start to, if you're lying, and God help you if you're lying down, you're, go, you're out. But reading in the morning is really, I, I really love to do that. The other thing is you have to put your phone in a different room. Oh my God, yes. That, I mean, that's yeah. my key because I will, I mean, I will scroll <laughs> with the best of them. So if you put your phone in the other room, and, and also like we talked about before, abandon a book if you don't like it. If you're 50 pages in and you're struggling, put it down. Maybe you come back to it, maybe you don't. You know? what, what about you, Mitchell? What, how do you well, find you know, it's I'm the a best bit, way for you it's, hard, it's a little harder for me. I'm a night owl. Really. And you got to skim. You're a skimmer because you got to get to a lot. Well, I, I I try not to skim as much, but I, I follow Connie's. Okay. I follow, but sometimes I'm asked to give blurbs and I'm mm-hmm. asked to do certain things, so I try to work my way around that. But I'm a bit of a night owl, and for me to read in the morning would be really hard because mm-hmm. I get all these e- emails that I need to deal with in the morning. And I have to open the store, and I have to do all that stuff. So I'm compl- So it's at night when I'm a little bit more, as William Carlos Williams would say, more like a happy genius. Right. I can just be quiet, and I can dance in front of my mirror. And so read I shouldn't a book. text you about the heat at five a.m. Well, Is that what you're except, telling me? Except when the heat's on. Connie and I have a big, uh, we love basketball. Are you guys heat nerds? We right. are heat yeah, nerds as well. very much so. Well, as fun as this has been, I promise to have you back on when we just talk about the heat. Oh, okay. For, That'd be great. For like an hour. Do you think we can talk about the heat yeah. for an hour? Absolutely. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for making the time to come and talk with us. 
Uh, and uh, that is Sundow. Can I just say 29th. one thing, Carlos, real fast? Yes. I just want to say you've been doing an amazing job. I think it's really fabulous having you on Sundial. And uh, for all of you out there who don't know, you can also get the podcast of Sundial if you can't listen to it at 1 o'clock. He's doing my job for me, folks. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Folks, that's Sundial for Thursday, December 29th. Leslie Owaye Atkinson is our lead producer. Elisa Baena is our producer and social media editor. Our engagement editor is Katie Lepre-Cohen, and our digital editor is Mateos Sanchez. Katie Munoz is our interim managing editor, and our senior news editor is Jessica Bakeman. Peter J. Meritz is WLRN's vice president of radio and Sundial's engineer. You like that theme music? It's by the Miami Afro-Cuban funk band Palo at gopalo.com. As Mitchell said, you can download a podcast of this program. Just search for WLRN Sundial on your podcast app. Coming up next week on the program, we hear from movie critic Rene Rodriguez, how he went from being a truck driver to getting angry phone calls from Sylvester Stallone. He was a film critic at the Miami Herald for more than 25 years, and now he's the manager of the Cosford Cinema at the University of Miami. I'm Carlos Frias. Have a great New Year. Thanks for listening. Public Media.